Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. This podcast is brought to you in association with Globalizing the Rising, 1916 in Context, a major conference which will take place in University College Dublin on the 5th and 6th of February 2016. For more information, go to centenaries.ucd.ie. In this episode, a paper recorded at the Universities in Revolution and State Formation Conference, which took place in UCD Newman House on the 5th and 6th of June 2015. This project was funded by an Irish Research Council New Foundations Award and by a University College Dublin Decade of Centenaries Award. Podcasting was by Real Smart Media. This episode features opening remarks from conference organiser Dr. Connor Mulva from UCD School of History and Professor Orla Feely, UCD Vice President for Research, Innovation and Impact. Ladies and gentlemen, um, dignitaries, Professor Feely, um, our keynote, Dr. Renata Marsiska, uh, honoured guests. I'd like to welcome you today to Universities in Revolution and State Formation, a two-day conference at UCD. We, we're going to just open the conference now. I'm, I'm actually going to hand over to Professor Feely, um, who is Vice President for Research, Innovation and Impact at UCD, to formally open the conference. Thanks very much. It's a great pleasure to welcome you here today to this conference and also to University College Dublin. For any of you who are not familiar with UCD, um, we were founded uh, in a slightly different guise, the Catholic University of Ireland in 1854. Our founding rector was John Henry Newman, and we began life out of this building. Very rapidly as the university grew, we moved to two much larger buildings quite close to us, Earlsford Terrace around the corner, the building that now houses our National Concert Hall, and a building on Merrion Street that now houses our government buildings. From about the 1960s, we've moved out to our Belfield campus, about five kilometres south of here. I hope that those of you who do not already know us have the opportunity to visit us in Belfield sometime, where you will find a very dynamic, innovative university environment. We have more than 25,000 students on our Belfield campus from over 120 countries. We have a very significant global presence with degrees offered in China, Malaysia, Singapore, other parts of the world. And we greatly welcome the global community into our UCD community in all ways. Uh, We have a very strong relationship with industry. We are a research-intensive university. We seek to derive the benefits of that research and innovation for the benefit of industry. We have 50 companies on our campus. We collaborate with over 1,000 more. And our researchers are at the forefront of many of the sectors that are key to the dynamic Irish economy. We have a recognition alongside that that to be part of the economy and the society that we inhabit, that we have to look to our humanities, look to our social sciences. They are an intrinsic part of what we do in UCD. We are enormously proud of our great tradition in this respect. We are aware that this is the building of John Henry Newman, the building where James Joyce studied. So we are building on that tradition, looking to the past, building on the past and looking to the future, recognising that to serve the society in which we exist, we have to understand that nature of who we are and where we are going. And that is why events such as today are so intrinsic to our research and our innovation here in UCD. This, as you know, is a very important time for us in Ireland. It is the centenary of those events that led to the formation of this country. It is an opportune moment for us to pause, to look back, to reflect and to look forward. So as the country's largest university, it is incumbent on us to play a leading role in informing public discourse around these events and their significance. 
But for us in UCD, this one is more personal than that because UCD staff and students were central to the events of 1916 and what unfolded thereafter. These buildings, Earlsford Terrace, was central to many of the events around the time of our Civil War, our War of Independence. So we recognise that we have a story to tell here, not just for the country, but for us as a university. And we know that this is a story that resonates internationally because many other universities, as we will be discussing over the course of the next two days, have had similar experiences, similar contributions. And I think it is useful in this age where so much of what we do in universities is quantified and codified, and we are rightly concerned with the metrics and the numbers and what they tell us about our performance. But we know also that universities deliver things that cannot be captured in numbers. And we know that when you get that particular combination of intellectual uh, understanding, of creativity, of idealism and ideals in the hands of the young and the not-so-young, we know that something very special can emerge from the university environment. UCD was central to that around 100 years ago. Many other universities have been central to similar happenings in their countries many times since and before then. So I think it is very opportune for us to take a moment to consider this experience in universities globally, to share our experience from UCD and to learn from the experiences of others in order to illuminate what we understand of our past as we look to our future. So finally then, I would like to thank you all once again for coming, particularly Renata and the other speakers. It's a great pleasure to welcome you here. Particular word of thanks to Connor, who with his boundless knowledge and infinite energy is a central part of what we are doing in UCD around the decade of centenaries. We greatly rely on his wisdom and expertise and energy and, and we look forward to many wonderful events coming out of this. This is an event that we are very happy to support as a university and I wish you all a very happy and productive couple of days. Thank you. Thank you very much, Professor Feely, for those kind words. Um, and I think that frames very nicely what I want to talk about, which is to think about this and to, to frame this conference in a global sense and in a cross-temporal sense. What this conference does is to take a look at universities, largely in the modern period, in the 19th, 20th, and even 21st centuries. Universities are sites of learning, but they are also sites of nation formation, radicalisation, and loci for the training of elites. Revolutions are founded on ideas and aspirations, not on mere violence. In formulating and refining these ideas, the university plays a key role. Over the coming two days, the scholars who have been assembled here will examine the commonalities and the contrasts of universities and their roles in the processes of revolution and state formation. Students have habitually been associated with liberalism and radicalism. However, especially in the long 19th century, one must appreciate that university students also constitute an elite, a certain jeunesse dorée, um, who are intrinsic to the continuance of the status quo. And that is one of the things that I think we should consider and discuss throughout these days um, of this conference. Because not only can we, I suppose, look at, at universities in this self-congratulatory light as a, as a centre for, you know, a vanguard of the revolution, but in many senses, and we'll see this in some of the papers later today, universities can also be vanguards for the status quo or vanguards for either uh, moneyed or intellectual elites um, in their own eras. Um, so that's something I think that we do need to, to take stock of here and not to, uh, I suppose, bring this right the way to its, its, um, its, I suppose, extreme conclusion. 
Students have officially been associated on that front, but if they're the, what students are synonymous with, with radicalisation, what of staff? This conference will also address how academics and intellectuals became involved in revolutionary and nationalist discourse um, through two distinct ways. The first of this was the straightforward political action and involvement in political life. The second is the cultivation and development of ideas through the intersection of a scholar's work, um, his academic or his or her academic work, with his or her political or social um, consciousness and, um, and awareness in that particular time frame. In the case of three academics about whom we'll hear later today, Owen McNeill, Alfred O'Reilly and Esmer Evans, um, their scholarly work had a bearing not only on their own intellectual and identity development, but on the development of national consciousness, on national lineage, on cultivating a link between the medieval and the modern, and also on the cultural identity of emerging nation-states. In this way, research and state formation meet. This is exactly what Professor Feely spoke to in opening the conference, this idea that universities are more than a sum of their parts and they're also more than mere centres of learning. They are in fact intrinsic, intrinsic to the national discourse and to the evolution of the modern state. Finally, I would like to um, express my own thanks. I would like to thank, um, firstly, our funders, the Irish Research Council's new foundation scheme, which very graciously funded this conference, along with UCD's uh, seed funding programme. I'd like to thank the School of History and Archives, um, and I'd also like to thank UCD Research for their continuous support throughout this. Um, Dr. Murray Carew, in particular, was um, of great assistance in organising um, one of the panels for this session, along with Ms. Tara O'Grady, who will be here later today, who was essential in bringing the conference up to the modern day by putting me in touch with key organisers um, and activists who were involved in the Arab Spring and particularly in Bahraini student and university activism in much more recent times. I'd like to thank Ms. Suzanne Darcy of the Centre for War Studies, um, Professor John Coakley, uh, Professor Robert Gervart, all the speakers and chairs, and our conference volunteers in particular, who you'll meet throughout the day um, and have already done a sterling job in welcoming you all here and, and um, making sure that all those practical arrangements uh, for the day have been done. And in that vein, I would also like to thank Newman House, Ruth Ferguson, and Eamon Kant, uh, not the historical Eamon Kant, but Eamon Kant of UCD, who in years to come will be a historical force in his own right. Um, so that's really it for me. I'm going to hand over to Dr. William Mulligan of the School of History and Archives, who will introduce our keynote speaker today. And before I do that, I would like to say a word or two on the role that the Mexican Revolution um, played in, in global history of a century ago, and also the linkages between Ireland and Mexico. Um, the Mexican Revolution was one of those beacon moments in world history a century ago. Between 1910 and 1920, Central and Latin America became centres for resistance against old regimes, against imperialism. And one could argue, bridging this into papers later in the day, that the, the intellectual discourse that began in 1848 with liberalism and also that discourse which we're much more familiar with in Ireland about moving from landed elites towards peasant proprietorship, these all surface in the Mexican Revolution. Despite the large geographical distance, which Dr. Marsiska can attest to herself, having recently flown it, um, between Ireland and Mexico, Irish nationalists were very much aware of what was going on in Mexico. The slide which I will keep up for the duration of Dr. Marsiska's talk is from On Clive Sullis, the official newspaper of the Gaelic League. Um, and Clive Sullis means the sword of light. 
And in this paper, The Sword of Light, it was taken over by the advanced Irish nationalist and recently returned American emigre, um, Michael Joseph, better known as D. O'Reilly. Um, D. O'Reilly was keenly globally aware, despite the fact that he has sometimes in later history been pigeonholed as a provincial Irish language activist. In his papers every week, he revolutionised this formerly quite docile um, print publication with photography, something that he had brought home from America. And I would argue that, that the O'Reilly is very much one of those future-looking um, individuals of the Irish revolutionary generation. He was aware of what was going on in Mexico, in Panama, in Cuba, in the Russo-Japanese War, which um, was, was still a major topic and a major inspiration. Also in South Africa, which was again a key inspiration to Irish revolutionaries fighting against uh, imperialism and realising that there was at least one example which had won their independence through armed struggle in the years before the outbreak of the Irish Revolution. So the Arali was keenly aware of all these things and he was also, I suppose, keenly aware of Irish identity, of the cultivation of an Irish nation in order to do that. And I think that's where the Arali, not a university man himself, links in to the, uh, to the, the idea of universities and revolution because what O'Reilly was doing outside of academia was being done by people like Owen McNeill, the professor of, um, of medieval history in UCD in that time within academia. And there we see this intersection of the, the academic and the political in this era. As, as Professor Feely said, UCD was a deeply political university in this time and um, it's my job over the next uh, years of the Decade of Centenaries to write the history of UCD during the Irish Revolution. And even in my early phases of research, I'm beginning to wonder, did UCD academics actually get any work done in the years 1912 to 1923? Because they seem to have been involved in some very high-level politics from the foundation of the Irish Volunteers, the foundation of its women's auxiliary, Cum and Naman, and discourses on everything from the lockout to the split over the Anglo-Irish Treaty, which was actually hosted in UCD Earlsford Terrace. Um, so Earlsford Terrace did play host to one of the seminal events of the university, uh, sorry, of the, of the revolutionary generation. So that's all I'm going to say for the time being. Um, I hope you all enjoy the conference. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this History Hope podcast. You can find many more podcasts at historyhope.ie forward slash podcasts.